Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. All right, Brewer fans, welcome to another glorious podcast of the Brewer Review. It is baseball season, and the Brewer Review is back at you with a new episode, and this one's entitled The Triumphant Return of Scott Bartel and John Axford, also the trade deadline stuff. So with that being said, we want to welcome myself, Vince, and Scott back on the podcast after a short hiatus. Scott, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. Um, had a brief hiatus. I actually, I was really trying to get Chad back too, but he's even busier than I am. So I guess we'll have to wait at least one more episode for that. Is is Chad back? No, no. He's even busier than I was. I don't know. I I guess if Scott's was, I don't know if brief could be said for either of them, but yeah, he's definitely not, not around. So, um, he does have the information. You can log in anytime, so we'll be we'll be waiting for that. But anyway, here we go. It's August. The calendar's turned. There's two months of the baseball season left. The Milwaukee Brewers, as we speak, have a seven-plus game lead in the NL Central. The trade deadline just came and went, and the Brewers, I guess, uh, we'll get into the specifics of who they gave away and everything, but uh, or maybe we won't, but uh, the players they required or they acquired, I should say, this week um, were, uh, I guess, the biggest move they acquired from the Arizona Diamondbacks, um, infielder Eduardo Escobar. And then they made two additions to the bullpen, left-handed pitching uh, Daniel Norris from the Detroit Tigers, and then also John Curtis, right-handed pitcher from the Miami Marlins. Um, Previous to that, of course, we had... uh, also added Rowdy Telez earlier this month, and he's been filling in for, um, I mean, or I should say late in July, and, and he's been filling in for Dan Vogelback, uh, who's still injured. And uh, of course, Kesson Hira has henceforth been sent to the minor leagues due to ineffectiveness. So that's where we're at, trading the head down, going in the head down. Um, I can't speak, guys. After the trade deadline, it's gone and passed, and those are additions. Um, I guess I'd like to hear both of you guys' thoughts on did, did the Brewers fulfill? Did they do enough? Did they do more than what you thought they would? Did, did they do less? Are you happy with the moves? I know uh, we haven't heard from Scott for a while, so let's start with him. Well, it's hard to say. I mean, I guess when I look at it, I wasn't expecting, like, any kind of, like, big – all-in move, even though I wanted it, and I'm sure a lot of Brewer fans do. But, um, you know, we made we made several trades, and we didn't really give up much of anything in any of them. And I think that they're all going to be pretty valuable pieces. I mean, Rowdy is taking a basically Volga box spot, and then Escobar is pretty much taking over Shaw's spot at third, and then I don't know where that leaves Urias, but he'll be he'll be all right. Um, he'll get at best. And then, um, as far as the two bullpen arms, neither one of them, when you really kind of look at, um, at at their stats anyway, neither one of them really like set the world on fire. Like these are lockdown players, and yet I feel like just about any bullpen arm that we acquire is going to be really good, just because of our past experience now with, you know, over the 
course of last year, it feels like anybody we throw out there winds up being a really good pitcher. So, um, yeah, I mean, overall, it was pretty much what I expected. In fact, when you, when you include Rowdy and Adamas, now you're talking about basically we've, in the last couple of months, we've acquired like five different, um, like big pieces. So, I mean, that's, that's a lot, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's pretty exciting. Um, yeah, overall, pretty much, pretty much what I, what I had expected. Yes, that was on, great. Scott. Yeah, that was great, Scott. No, the um, the deadline acquisitions themselves, I thought were fine. Um, Scott, you alluded to it, but but you know, my take on this whole thing is is that we really didn't give up much of value. Um, so why not take a flyer on literally any of the guys that we have so far? So it seems like Stearns is has at least gotten value for his dollar. I think it could be argued that maybe we should have gone out, you know, and maybe get, tried to acquire some of the bigger names that were. Um, you know, eventually move to other teams at the deadline. But other than that, I have no complaints whatsoever. And, you know, at the end of the day, whatever the front office is doing seems to be working. I mean, we continue to win games. Um, we continue to, to get, you know, a lot of value for um, the guys that we do have for, and we spend a lot less money than the other big time players uh, in the majors do. So, um, you know, this model seems to work. Yeah. I, I think you guys have, right on the money. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is we didn't really lose any top players of, uh, from our farm system uh, and we improved our ball club. So whenever you can do those two things, I think that's, that's your GM and your front office doing a pretty good job. And this is almost to be expected that the Brewers going to make some under kind of under the radar moves, but that are end up being more valuable than they seem. Just as an example, instead of, acquiring someone like a sp more splashier acquisition at the trade in like um, Trevor story from the Rockies who ended up staying put adding him and playing him at third base would have been a pretty big splash, but it probably would have cost us one of our top five prospects. I'm guessing instead we added Eduardo Escobar from the Max uh, for a couple lesser prospects. And I really think that he's not quite a splash of a name, but I think he, is going to end up being a better acquisition than Trevor Story probably would have been. I mean, he's switch, he's a switch hitter. He can play multiple infield positions, um, and so basically he, that versatility that our front office likes, and you know, I think he's going to be really valuable. And apparently, he's great in the you know great clubhouse guy as well. So again, great trade right there. And the other example, let's just take instead of acquiring like a current closer that was having some success on his team, like a Brad Hand, who the Blue Jays had to pay to get. Instead, we made a more of an underrated, under the radar move and got like a John Curtis um, from the Mar from the Marlins. Didn't have to pay too much. Did cost us a catcher, Pe uh, Peyton Henry, who I was kind of high on. But uh, I mean, we brought him in, and we actually have control over him. I think all the way through 2025 or something. So again, I think he'll he's possibly a better pitcher than someone like Brad Hand or whatever. Just as an example. Um, so. Overall, I mean, those are the type of moves that smart GMs make. And, and I mean, there's no, there's no doubt that this turns, you know, knows what he's doing and, and bring in these guys, Matt Arnold also. Um, I think these guys are going to help them make the, the uh, an already first place club even better. Oh, and on a side note too, when you look at somebody like Brad Hand, he's, um, he's probably had the worst, like two weeks, three weeks of, uh, I don't know, the last three years of his career. Um, I mean, is that really somebody that you want to acquire right now? 
I mean, of course he, you know, just got blown up again today, but um, you know, when it comes to relievers, it's all about what have you done for me lately? And he's just right now, I, I just would not want any part of him. Yeah. And I think all told the biggest acquisition during the season is still going to end up being uh, an addition we made way back, I believe it was in May. And that was Willie Adamas who's coming in since, since we've added it to our offense, our off, I think the number of runs per game has gone up like two or three runs per game as an overall offense. And I think the little tweaks that we've made since then by bringing in guys and just kind of solidifying it has really made us a great team. And I mean, if you would have told me beginning of the season that, Christian Yelich was going to have another really down year. Keston Hero was going to have such a terrible uh, year that we're going to, he was going to be in the minors come the trade deadline. And that somehow the Brewers were still going to have a seven plus game lead in first place. I would have said that you were crazy, but uh, here we are. <laughs> that, that acquisition of Adamas was back in May. Um, I think it was right around the time that we went on our road trip, which we can also recap this evening. That's right. We've not had Scott on the podcast. So that was more than a brief hiatus, Scott. You haven't been on a podcast since uh, before the Damas trade. So that's a good Porsche. That's over uh, like half the current Brewer season. But anyway, I know you've been a very busy man. So ever since the COVID era began, I have no concept of time anymore. I, I, my hiatus was somewhere between two hours and two years. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, uh, the novel virus, as Vince likes to call it. Um, unfortunately, both of, our, I guess, our two biggest star players on the team, uh, Josh Hader and Christian Yelich, have both uh, tested positive for that within the last two weeks, including Hader just yesterday. And so they're both currently on the COVID IL. And uh, in spite of that, the Brewers continue, they just won the series in in Atlanta and they keep moving forward, you know? So, I mean, if we get those guys back to full health going into September where our, t- our schedule gets a little tougher, I really feel that this team is going to be able to, um, you know, win the NL central. Um, but again, there, there are, you know, the Cardinals and the Reds are still within striking distance. So I, I think we need to keep moving forward as far as those two teams go though. I, I really don't believe that their additions at the deadline were better than ours for the two teams chasing us. So I think that bodes well for us in the NL Central. And of course, the Cubs did pull off a fire sale of epic proportions and somehow traded all of their star players um, to, and really rebuilt their farm system. But I think that it's really going to make us not have to worry about them for definitely not this year and possibly a couple of years even so. So that's that could be definitely a positive thing as well. However, over in the NL West, the Los Angeles Dodgers made a trade where they acquired Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. Quite not even arguably two of the top, you know, top pitchers and position players out there. And so to add to your team that was already came into the season as like a juggernaut. I think is a little bit worrisome when it comes to a team like Brewers once, if they were to have to face them in the playoffs, what, what are your thoughts on that guys? Well, I didn't like the Dodgers before the trade. And now I think I said at the beginning of the year that if like the top three players on the Dodgers all missed like the entire year, they'd still make the playoffs. Um, I don't know how true that was, but 
apparently, I mean, now they just grabbed two more. It's like unbelievable. Oh, what can you do? But, um, you know, the Dodgers have had a really good farm system for a really long time and they're making trades. Like they, it, it's just, it works out really well for them. And when you have that, that much in the farm system, uh, that helps a lot too. So I don't know. It's, it's rough. You just want to be like, Oh, great. The rich get richer. They've done it again. But, um, I don't know. I mean, all you can do is battle them and hope you win. Right. I mean, to your point, I think that, yes, it's a, it's a, you know, obviously a little disappointing to see a team like the Dodgers can, uh, you know, get star players like that. And, um, but I think that one thing that people keep forgetting is that the giants are actually, uh, the first place team in that division right now somehow and both the Padres and the Dodgers are behind them. So, you know, well, I understand uh, a lot of people being, you know, looking at this trade and, and thinking how the Dodgers are getting a lot better and they are, um, they're still trying to play catch up in their own division. It's not like it's a sure thing that they're going to be able to take over the league at this point. Yeah. And of course, if they have to be forced to play a wild card game, um, I mean, they, they'll have one of like four or five aces to choose from to play in that game. But I mean, the bottom line is um, it's hard for They're definitely making the playoffs in some fashion. If they, if they were to get bounced in the wildcard game, that'd be great. But I mean, if you look, unfortunately, if you look at their rotation now, I mean, they have pretty much the best right-handed and left-handed pitchers of our gener of the current generation on um, with Scherzer and Kershaw at the top of the rotation. Then they've got Walker Bueller and uh, Julio Urias who are having phenomenal seasons and are great talents in the South. And then of course, then there's some other, you know, there's Trevor Bauer who is paid, I think a hundred million dollars for a couple of years of pitching for the Dodgers, And he's possibly not even going to be eligible to play. And if he is, you know, uh, obviously they're just completely stacked. And then you look at their lineup, I mean, they just got Corey Seager back and Mookie back, both back from injury, and they added Turner to an already sick lineup. Um, Max Muncy is a really underrated player. Um, I, I, I don't know. Um, right now, it's the, on paper, they're far and away the best team in baseball, in my opinion, but I guess that'll make it all the sweeter when the Brewers knock them off in the playoffs or possibly even avoid having to play them. That'd be great. Yeah, I mean, you said that they had four or five aces. Um, unfortunately for them, uh, the reason why they had to make a panic move like this and and grab Scherzer and Turner is because they were, again, as Vince uh, alluded or pointed out, they not only are they chasing people in their own division, but they're clearly not as good as the Brewers. And, you know, we have six aces, so um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's pretty ridiculous, but I hate to say it, but – I think LA might be a little jealous of this Milwaukee Brewers team and, and it's unfortunate, but they're just going to have to deal we're, with it. We're, we're certainly getting more bang for our buck, you know, in terms of uh, dollar uh, dollar amounts being paid to the players uh, compared to, you know, the Dodgers. I think that that's a big win. And, and even though our, yeah. our offense has made such improvements, like we said, since May, um, and it's just getting only better with the acquisitions now. Um, but if you look at our rotation, not only is, you know, have we emerged from the beginning of the season with like three legitimate aces in Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta, but like Scott alluded to, 
the back end of our rotation has been filling in pretty admirably. I mean, if you look at Adrian Hauser, Brett Anderson, and Eric Lauer, they've all been really, I mean, pretty clutch for what is to be expected of them. And, and they're having a great years too. And then of course, Craig, both- Craig, did you, Craig, could you just repeat what you said about Anderson again? I'm sorry. I missed it. He's been pretty solid. I mean, I, I was not that I was not doing backflips over the fact that we re-signed him as a free agent, but again, he's getting out. So that's all we need is out getters. <laughs> <laughs> Big I win over the Braves yesterday. So, um, yeah, great game. Yeah, it's, it's, oh, and then let's also kind of a nostalgic trade that we made after the trade deadline, in fact, earlier today. And that's the acquisition of former Brewer, John Axford, who was toiling in the minor leagues at AAA for the Toronto Blue Jays. And doing fairly well. And uh, apparently, since he was not on their 40 man roster, he was eligible to be traded after the training deadline. And I guess we're just giving away cash for them. We've got plenty of that laying around as the Milwaukee Brewers. So that was pretty. It was one dollar. It was one dollar, literally. What? Yeah, the trade was for no joke. That came out uh, later today. Uh, the trade was for <laughs> one US dollar, which is actually about 80 cents Canadian. Wow. That's like two ounces of beer at Miller Park. Right. Well, wait, is it? Are you telling me the Canadian dollar is, is worth more than the American dollar? Damn it. I mean, it's probably just, you know, a fluke, I'm sure, but. Yeah. Yeah, one, one wait, US dollar. Uh, wait, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Might be the other way around, but whatever. Getting, getting John X for fucking yeah. some change, that's great. I mean, I thought it'd take at least a six-pack of Canadian beer to get them, but apparently it was less than a dollar or whatever. That's awesome. Totally worth Some it. Some Labatt Blue. <laughs> I don't know, like one, one, one Canadian dollar equals 80 yeah. U.S. cents. Yeah. This might be a good segue into letting our listeners know that back in May, last time we heard from Scott, we actually did take uh, – our Brook Review trip to Florida to the Tampa area, and we were able to see the Blue Jays' very last home game at Dunedin uh, Stadium there um, against the Tampa Rays, and quite a, quite an awesome game. It's a wonderful afternoon uh, with you fellows, and I know Vlad Guerrero hit two majestic bombs that day, and then we thought up would be able to see the Rays have a home game at Tropicana Field too. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on seeing uh, our little Florida experience and, and seeing tr the Tropicana Field? Well, Craig, do you want to quickly uh, recap uh, Rowdy Telez's uh, first experience with the Brook Review? I know that now that we've got press passes back, we'll probably interview him about it soon, but um, we just were waiting for Scott. But do you want to recap? Our yeah, that's right. We did have uh, first row standing room seats in the right field bleachers, um, first row, and Rowdy Telez hit a home run. Well, it would have been a home run, but Scott dropped the ball. And so it turned out to be a run scoring double. But uh, yeah, because of that, the Blue Jays considered trading him from his lack of power. 
and uh, trade into the Milwaukee Brewers here this past month. And so, yeah, we like to say that we had a hand in that, or Scott did at least. So, I've never dropped a baseball in a game. Sorry, I have a fielding percentage of a thousand, but he did hit the ball so high in the air that um, one, if not both, of the outfielders completely lost sight of it because it was hit so high and everyone in the bleachers was just scrambling around looking at each other and ducking and covering their heads because we all knew that the ball was going to go somewhere very close to us but no one could see it it was just right up in that right up in the sun and just there was just no way so it was kind of interesting but yeah maybe i don't know um yeah, maybe if we would have seen it, we could have reached over the wall and maybe gotten a hand on it and then promptly have been ejected and it would have been a double anyway. So I think he got a triple though. So we would have cost him a bag. <laughs> and John Axford, as, as we're taping this, is now on the ninth inning, is officially made a return for the Milwaukee Brewers. Pretty exciting stuff to get our former closer of about 10 years ago back on a team, always liked the guy. Um, unfortunately, it probably only came about because of the fact that uh, that positive COVID test for Josh Hader, our current closer. But anyway, I, I, I don't know uh, how long he'll be on a team or when we'll get utilized, but it's, it's fun to have him back on this, uh, this team, especially if he's gonna be able to get a championship World Series ring out of it eventually, that's pretty awesome. Um, does he still it, have a cool it, mustache? It, I have no idea. I haven't seen it. He does. Well, no, he's got kind of a beard and it's gray now. I guess we're all getting a little mm. older, but yeah. That's fair. Um, he'll probably shave it off. I uh, I do think this would make kind of a cool movie. Um, hey, guys, I, I did want to throw out a quick trivia uh, question for, for both you and our listeners. Um, John Ackford's last appearance as a brewer came in 2013. So we've got, you know, a, what is it, an eight-year uh uh, difference between his last appearance and tonight. Uh, can anyone name though? There is a brewer with a longer span between his brewers' the, uh, final game or before. How do I want to phrase this? There's a larger gap between a guy who appeared for the Brewers and then appeared later in his career for the Brewers. Can anyone name the guy with the longest gap in Brewers history? Thank you. No. Well, if. It if it was between the Braves and the Brewers, but I still don't even think that gap was that big. Or was it? Yeah, probably. But um, uh, question, I don't know if I can have a guess on this. I'll say um, Gorman Thomas. That's a great guess, Craig. Uh, Gorman appeared for the Brewers in 1983 before being traded to Seattle, and he reappeared with the Brewers, though, in 1986. So not, oh. not that long. Scott, this also counts as stepping up to the plate. So, so you know, take as long as you need to. Uh, well, I, I guess Hank Aaron wouldn't count, but, um, and I guess Lorenzo Cain wouldn't count because he he didn't break through in the majors with us. No, he did. He that. did actually. Oh, he did. He did. Okay, then I'll say yeah. Cain. That's a great guess as well. Uh, Cain, 2010, was when he appeared with the Brewers, and he returned in 2018. So that's that's pretty good. The actual answer though is Doug Jones. Brewers debut in hmm. 1982 and returned in 1996. 14 years. And wow. yep. And he was a dominant closer for like a year and a half or two. <laughs> I just, just thought I'd throw that one out there tonight, guys. 
That's I'd actually nice. heard that from our uh, our buddy and anonymous source, Tom Carter. So that's uh, where I got that from. So thank you, Tom. Oh, nice. Um, is Tom cool with us saying his name now? I guess. I mean, he has nothing to lose. There was nothing. I mean, I mean, we said he it. actually said that his new place of employment also was threatening to let him go if uh, hmm. if we kept revealing him. I mean, he does. Huh. I mean, I don't know. It's insider trading that he gives us, but whatever. Maybe that's the reason too. I'm not sure. Whatever. Did not know that. Hmm. But uh, what was your guys, your guys' overall thoughts on how, like, to me, pretty exciting, not just as a Brewer fan, but overall, the baseball train deadline this year seemed like to be the most exciting ever. Like, I, I was really kind of shocked and that the amount of star players and all-star level players that got traded basically within that last 24 or so hours before the train deadline. Were you guys a little bit um surprised by that at all or i mean what were your overall thoughts well i i personally can't remember another deadline quite like this one i mean it was it was nuts and you know generally we'll see you know there's a lot of minor trades and maybe a, a big trade or two and um you know you'll find that maybe one team dumps everybody at the deadline but um as you guys know from our pre-production meeting i went to the uh national and cubs game last Friday night in Washington, D.C., and it was crazy. Like, both franchises had just been decimated that day. They weren't alone. I mean, they they probably were hit the hardest, I would say, with the Cubs trading, you know, Kimbrel and Baez and Rizzo and um, Bryant. But it was just, you know, both teams had traded a ton of guys in the, you know, a couple of days before uh, the deadline hit. And, um, yeah, I certainly can't remember anything like it. It was really funny because, you know, looking around the, the crowd, most people were wearing either Nats gear or Cubs gear. And just about all the people who were wearing jerseys were wearing jerseys of guys who got traded that week. <laughs> it was like watching a minor league baseball game. It was awesome. It was really fun. Well, I mean, the Nats traded their their best player and their closer, so it doesn't get much more than that. <laughs> right. I know. And they traded, uh, you know, Jan Gomes, who was their catcher, who was also on their World Series team. And yeah. You know, they, they, they really unloaded a bunch of, of players. And, again, it was funny. Outside of a couple, like, you know, Ryan Zimmerman jerseys, literally just about everybody was wearing a jersey or jersey or whatever of somebody who had been traded in the last, you know, 48 hours prior to the game. Yeah, but I think baseball fans and, and the fans of even those teams are smarter than they were, like, say, 20 or so years ago because – instead of being devastated, I think that they're hopeful for the future with the assets and the minor, the young players, minor leaguers that they did get. And at least those they're, they know that their front office for the teams they root for kind of have a plan in place. Um, whereas if you look at, if you're a fan of the Colorado Rockies or even the Anaheim angels, um, you've got to be just shaking your head on as far as like, what exactly is their plan um, moving forward? But um yeah, no, I, I I thought it was pretty pretty exciting. I was really kind of shocked at the amount of guys that got that got moved, especially all the for the Cubs to trade all of their players and really completely a hundred percent gut the remaining players left over from their their world championship team. So I mean that was kind of interesting to see. I I, I didn't think they were going to be able to pull that one off, but they did do it. So. Well, it, I mean, it was kind of the perfect storm when you think about it. So last year we only had the sixty game season. And so everybody kind of felt that they were in it, especially when you had like the, um, 
extra wild card spots or whatever. So um, not only do you have that, then now this year, it, it kind of seems like um, for the most part, at least in the NL side, people kind of know where they're going to land sort of like there's a lot of teams that are pretty well set up for the, like to make a playoff push. And then there's a lot of teams that aren't. And so I don't know. I, I think all that put together, um, it was just time. And not only that, but like a lot of these, um, franchises haven't been making as much money as they used to. Um, you know, so that winds up being kind of an issue too. Like obviously 2020 was a yeah. bust and, you know, 2021 yeah. were, were, were okay again for now, sort of. And I say that as like a third of the Brewers team is out with COVID, but, um, it's, it, it was just a perfect storm. People really wanted to get what they could for a lot of these like players. Um, I mean, unless you're the Colorado Rockies, in which case you just, I don't know what you're doing. Why is Trevor Story the, the, on the, the Rockies still? Th- those are all really good points, Scott. And I, you know, I'll add in the Cubs case too. You know, the other part of their perfect storm was that they had locked up all these guys you know, or brought them all up around the same time, so they were all going to become free agents you know, after this season. So that obviously pushed things a certain way. They couldn't, they couldn't really look at this as just, Oh, we're having a bad year with a good core. Um, we'll see how it goes next year. They had to make a decision. And basically if they, you know, were going to fall too far out of contention, which they did. Uh, and I'll just remind people after the Brewers played them, it was really when their tails been started. Um, you know, I think that they had to make the call that they did. So it was, uh, you know, you, you, you just hate to see it with the Cubs. I will say as a quick funny aside, I ran into uh, a guy wearing a Cubs jersey during the day uh, when I was in D.C., and he was wearing a Rizzo jersey, and I just said uh, something along the lines of, hey, man, you know, tough day. He goes, oh, I'm actually more of a Yankees fan, so I think there's some bandwagon jumpers going on. (laughs) Unbelievable. (laughs) Interesting. So here we are in August. The Brewers are in really good shape. Um, I, I really think that our offense has been really clicking and, um, you know, I think we really need to have Yelich back and healthy and hitting like the Yelich he was. I mean, even if he doesn't go full back to MVP form, he's got, he's got to really step it up over what he's been producing last year, which everyone of course got kind of a pass for the 2020 season, but this year he's still, he's lacking power. Um, you know, and his overall numbers are just, just pretty pedestrian to be quite honest and we re- if the brewers are going to you know make a run deep in the playoffs we're going to need that christian Ellis to, to perform better so yeah it's, yeah it's extremely disappointing i mean when you think about it i'm sure that when we were talking about this a couple of years ago i was clamoring saying like um you know you made this big trade and our window is closing and we really need to sign him to an extension or else you're really going to you know, just upset the fan base even more than they already are. Like this is a fan base that's just so hungry, especially for, and congrats to the Bucks, by the way, for bringing a championship to Milwaukee. That's wonderful. I hope the Brewers can do the same, but I mean, this is a fan base that just really, really wants that. And if you, if you let Yelich walk, it would have sent the wrong message. So instead we signed him to this huge mega deal and he's been nothing but pedestrian ever since. So next time we think, oh, oh, we should go all in or sign a big extension, like, huh, this is going to be the thing that people are going to point to, unfortunately. So I don't know. I really hope he gets it together soon. 
I'm still yeah, let's hope so. The, the, the contract. I, I still think it'll, it'll be fine, and we won't regret the contract. That's just that's just my thoughts. But yeah, I you know I it's still too early in the deal probably to tell. But you know my only concern is is that these are the seasons that we were really counting on Christian Yelich to 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 not only live up to the value or not only live up to the contract, but to um, exceed the value of the contract. Um, right. Because I think that you, you kind of plan for those later years for some decline, you know, and, and, you know, we gave Lorenzo Cain, for instance, that extra year at the end. And you kind of plan for the fact that he's not going to be as good in his age, whatever, 36 or 37 season as he is in his age, 33 or 34 season. So that's, my, my concern with Yelich isn't the contract as much as it is the age uh, that he is right now compared to the age he will be in, what, nine more seasons or whatever we lock him up for. him. Yeah. But I do think he's going to rebound and not only rebound for that whole contract, but he's going to rebound big time in the, second, the rest of this year once he gets back and healthy and back in the lineup. So pretty excited. Hopefully I'm going to be able to go out and catch some games here soon. Um but uh, yeah, definitely. Thanks for joining us again, guys. Um, Scott, it's great to have you back. Yeah, Scott, great to great to talk to you. It's great to be here, and I, I'm really sorry if I don't have like all the um, insight that normally I provide. I haven't talked to Tom Carter as much as I probably should have lately. And if I'm yeah. being perfectly honest, I haven't watched as much baseball as I'd like to. I know that the fans are wondering what took me so long but um i'll say that i recently um purchased a, a puppy a multi poo and her name is penny because she apparently loves to eat the copper wire embedded in the cords of everything i own so it's been <laughs> me running around like a crazy person just yelling no penny over and over so it's going really well um <laughs> but yeah it's been it's been wild but it sounds fun. Yeah, fun stuff. It sounds fun. Keep the pictures coming. Yeah, congratulations on the new on the new edition. Yeah, congrats, Scotty. That's great. Yeah, we got another Brewer fan. You'll have to post a picture of uh, you and Penny on Twitter for our fans. Which uh, again, you can give us a follow, Brew Crew Review One, or make sure that you send Scott uh, your questions via email, Brew Crew Review Podcast with an S at gmail.com. I know that he will get to them between uh, potty training sessions with Penny. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I can't wait. What a monster. Nothing better than being woken up at 5 a.m. on a regular basis. (laughs) All right. See you guys and go Brewers. All right, guys. Go Brewers. Go Brewers. Do, 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 do.